I'm greeting you in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, this morning. And it's our privilege to come together for fellowship. And I hope you're hungry for the word. I hope you're hungry for fellowship with Christ and for one, a fellowship with one another. It is my privilege to invite you to Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 to 34, one of my favorite passages. For the last six months, I turned to this passage probably more than to any other. And uh, it is my hope that you will be encouraged today by Jesus Christ himself. Let's read these verses and pray together. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25, 34. The name of the sermon, Overcoming Anxiety. And I think it's an opportune time for us to look at these verses. Jesus is saying, no one can serve two masters. For either he will ha- hate the one and love the other. And he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to your life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yes, I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what we will eat, or what we will drink, or what we will wear for clothing. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows what you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Father, we bow down before you. And we admit that we're anxious people, but I pray that you encourage us through your son, whom you send to solve our biggest problem, our biggest worry, biggest anxiety, and lift us from the biggest pit that has ever been known. And help us to turn upon Jesus and to look into his wonderful face and to trust him where we are now. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. The U.S. is one of the most depressed countries in the world. Do you know that? It ranks number three after China and India. Rich countries have rather 
uh, high rates of anxiety. And it's interesting, it's almost a question, it's almost ironic how this could be. We live in a very prosperous country where we have more technology than ever. We have more money than 90% of population of the world. We have more drugs to deal with our health issues. We have more money, we have more food, we have more stuff in our garages. What is wrong with us? 40 million, 18% of American population suffer from one or another mental disorder, some form of anxiety. Might seem paradoxical, but here we are today in our situation and where you are in your private situation, personal situation, and you might find yourself occasionally or constantly worrying and depressed. Perhaps you worry about your job or career. Perhaps it's not your worry, but you worry about your stock market falling down or your IRA shrinking now. Perhaps you worry about your kid or kids, that they would not turn out as you wish them to be and they become drag addict or a prostitute. Sometimes you worry about those things. Sometimes you worry that nobody could marry you or want to marry you. Maybe you worry about the future of the church. Maybe you worry about who's going to be in the next pastor teacher. Maybe you worry about whether you're going to have ministry in this church. Wherever you are, you have something to worry about. I like how R.C. Sproul said, if I don't find anything to worry about, I am not happy. Jay Adams, in his booklet on how to overcome worries and depression, he gives this illustration about Jay, Joe, the warrior. And Joe, the warrior, always worries. Finally, he found his friend Bill, and he seems to be happy. And Bill was surprised, saying, what's happened? What has happened to you that you're smiling and happy? And he said, well, I just uh, found a man who could take all my worries upon himself. And I hired him to worry for all my worries. I said, well, how much is it going to cost you? He said, well, $1,000 a week. I said, where are you going to get all this money? He said, I'll let him worry about it. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to find someone who would worry for our worries? who would take all of our worries, anxiety, problems upon himself. Now let me tell you that there is a man, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he's speaking to us today, that he is taking all of our worries upon the cross. And here's the thing. If he took all your worries about your future life, something that very, very uncertain for every one of us, very unknown, and he promised that he will deliver us from the abyss and from the hell. And that is the promise. Would he not promise you to help you right here and right now? Now, we're going to tackle this text, and we're going to let Jesus speak, because Jesus is turning our eyes upon Father, who sent the Son to talk to us about our worries. And we could trust the Father and we could trust the Son so that He could help us to carry and to 
go through our anxieties, fear, depression, and the darkest time. Now, I'm going to just make two simple points with some sub-points. Number one, how to deal and how to overcome the anxiety. Number one, you have to admit the problem. You just have to admit the problem. And number two, accept the prescription. Admit the problem, accept the prescription. Now, in admitting the problem, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he's trained in them. He's training them to be more faithful, to believe in Jesus more and more. And he knows that at some point, they will see him not in power come in the storm, not in power given food and health, but on the cross, naked, totally helpless. And at that time, they have to look at him and trust that that person could save their lives. So he, he leads them. And we find his speech in the Sermon on the Mount when he teaches them how to trust, how to believe, how to rest on Christ. When Jesus identifies the problem basically by telling the symptom and going to the root. And the symptom is very easy. He said, do not worry. Do not worry. This is your problem. You are worried too much. You worry too much. The word from Greek, merimnao, apprehension, that comes from two words, meaning that you are dividing the mind. When we worry, we become double-minded. All of a sudden, our allegiance and our trust focused on Jesus shift from him on something else, and we become double-minded. The English word worry comes from old German word, meaning to strangle, to choke. This is exactly what happens to us when we are in anxiety. It chokes the life out of us. Someone really graphically described an anxiety. He says, a thin little stream of fear in your mind. A thin little stream in your mind, if encouraged, turns into the river that carves a channel that drains all your thoughts away. You let the worry about anything to take over, and it takes over whole your mind. And this is all you're thinking about. This is all you're praying about. And you're not coming out out of the pit. That's what anxiety does to us. But Jesus does more than that. He diagnoses the problem. He's not just saying, hey, do not worry. You have this problem in you. He diagnoses what is the problem. You know, sometimes a person comes in and he has a source on his legs to the doctor and, the, and he thinks that he needs some cream for the source and the doctor says, well, you have a diabetes. You need some other things to, to deal with. And so that's what Jesus said. When you worry, that's on surface. You worry about circumstances. You worry about your health. You worry about your wife. You worry about your position, about your ministry, whatever that is you worry about. This is on the, circ- this is the circumstances. This is a, on a superficial level. Let's look deeper. Let's take the MRI, the CT scan of your brain, and see what is the problem. And the problem is Jesus identifying here. In verse 30, he says, you have little faith. That's the problem. You have little faith. Now, Jesus, more than ever, when he addresses his disciples, he does not address them like, hey, stop stealing, Judah. Hey, stop 
commit an adultery in your heart, he addressing one thing, always one thing. He said, you have little faith. You have little faith. When in the storm they were suffering from anxiety, he said to them, why are you afraid of little faith? When Peter was walking boldly on the water and started sinking, when his doubt brought him to one place only down, Jesus told him, immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took his hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why you doubt? When they were unable to cast demon out of a child, and they asked, why can't we do that? And he said, well, you of little faith, you just have a, no, you just have a little faith, and if you would have, have a little bit more, like a seed, you would be able to do so. And on the other hand, Jesus never praised anyone about anything. Hey, great soup, Martha. Hey, great house, centurion. He praised what? He always praised one thing. Great is thy faith. Great is thy faith. That's what impresses God. That's what impresses Jesus. And he said to the Syrophoenician woman, he said, woman, great is your faith. He said in chapter 8 of Matthew to centurion, great, I haven't seen this kind of faith in Jerusalem. So he is building the faith in us. He addressing the issue, hey, worries, anxiety, the problems. When that phone call comes in at 2 a.m. in the morning when your child is in jail, right? When you get those lab results from your, from your blood test and you have cancer, right? At that moment, what's going to hold you? And God said, well, just drop everything and just rest in me. I got you covered. Now, that's the problem. Many of us, and Jesus addressed it. He said, well, hey, you guys who have no faith. He said, you have little faith. He addressed believers. He addressed his disciples. He addressed us today. You of little faith. He doesn't say, well, you're not believing at all. Gentiles are in totally different categories. They don't care about God. They don't pursue God. They don't have allegiance to God. They just care for themselves. And he said, you of little faith. And he comes with this encouragement to us to trust in me. And sometimes we find ourselves like that grandma who took first time the flight First time in her life, she took the flight. And grandchildren were laughing at her, saying at the end, so, well, Grandma, the, the plane holds you up because you were worried too much. And she said, well, tell you honestly, I didn't put my whole weight on it. That's how we deal with our problems. We trust Jesus, but not fully. We could care about ourselves, things. When things go out of hand, we go to Jesus. But Jesus has identified the problem, and he says this is the root of the problem, and he says where it is. He addresses the mind. Look at this. In verse 25, he says, for this reason, I say to you, I'm reasoning with you. I want to reason with your theology, with your mind. I want you to think. I want you to put thinking cap and start observing things, and in the birds and in the lilies, I want you to see me. I want you to think. I want you to have this theology, healthy doses of theology. And he's not talking about supralapsarianism or infralapsarianism or any other ism that you need to know. He says about very simple things, but like a children, like to the children, trust in me, I got you covered. He starts with our mind because anxiety is the mind game, it's the problem of the mind, it's worry, is a mental problem. And you have to admit it. I have a mental problem, Jesus. 
I have not a good dose of theology. I need to come back to you and just simply, as a kid, trust in you. So Jesus is dealing with us, and he said, well, look, reason with, with, with us. Look at the birds. Observe the things. Trust in me. Do not do this. Do this. Reason with me. And then he issued this prohibition that simply says, do not worry. Now, again, Jesus does not leave us with the prohibition. This is what psychology does. Psychology comes into you and says, well, you worry too much, right? Okay, I understand. Let's just talk about it. And they talk until you're blue in the faith or just, you know, out of money or just out of time and you come back next time. But psychology doesn't offer you the resolution for the problem. It just tells you, you know, you, have, you gotta stop worrying. You gotta stop worrying it. And Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't just say, hey, don't worry. You know, there's a famous song by Bobby McFerrin, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Do you know that? Remember that? Well, you could admit it. It's, it's a very famous word. Uh, and in the song, the author identified the issue, and there's some truth in it. He said, when, uh, when, he said, in every life, we have some trouble, but when we worry, you make it double. That is true. But then he doesn't provide any solution. It's just like, don't worry, be happy. Call me if anything, just be happy. The saddest part of this song, when I was watching the clip just recently, just refresh my mind, don't just go and watch it, trust me on this. I've seen here, there, an actor that was helping to do the clip, and this actor is Robin Williams who committed suicide a few years ago. And he was really happy in this clip, but didn't help him. Worry kills. Worry sucks lives out of you. Worry gives you misery. And Jesus doesn't leave you there. He said, well, just don't worry. Everything's going to pan out. You know, when you kind of call and you say, and you sit at someone's deathbed, it's just, don't worry. If this is going to be all right, no, it's not going to be all right. Jesus said, in, the, in this life, you will have some trouble. You will have trouble. Peace I give to you, not like the world gives. I give something else more. And I'm not going to change the circumstances ne uh, necessarily. I will not. I will act in natural ways, and I'm going to work at your heart. Because often when we pray and say, Lord, deliver me from this pit, from this darkness, from this misery, from this abyss of anxiety, deliver me. God doesn't do that all of a sudden. He just changes your heart. In other words, God doesn't act supernaturally, naturally. Naturally, God doesn't act supernaturally. Sometimes he does. He does miracles, but mostly, naturally, normally, he doesn't change the circumstances. If you, cut your ha if you cut your hand off and you would start praying for God, can you give me a new hand? He might give you a prosthetic hand, but it's probably not going to grow. Can God do that? He, can he grow your hand back? He can, but most likely you will not have another hand. But what is God is aiming? He said, I'm aiming at your mind and changing your mind. And here's number two, the prescription. And Jesus basically does three things here. He said, I'm going to prescribe you three things. How to overcome anxiety. When you're so dark in your soul, when you warp yourself in your tri trials, when nothing is sweet, 
when nobody's good to you, when you're just, just really, really worried about things, how do you overcome that? And I'm not going to tell you anything new because Jesus doesn't tell us anything new. He just told us, look upon me, look upon God, look upon my character. But here's how you do it. Number one, in verse 24, he says that we should not be worried. You should not be worried because our master is the sovereign God. You should not be worried because God is your sovereign master. Gentiles don't have it like a master, but you do. The sovereignty of God provides the security for our lives. And when we shift our focus from ourselves and from our independence or our things that we could do upon him who can do and who is really our master, and we devote our lives to him and devote our attention and our allegiance, things start being a little bit more brighter. The first thing he says in verse 24, identify your master. Because God is your master, sovereign Lord, you could rest on him. Jesus said, by the way, you can never please two masters. If you have two jobs, two employers, I mean, you're going to love one and despise another. Where is your heart, basically, he's saying. And I think he's expounding this principle from verse 6, chapter 6, verse 21, when he says, where your treasure is, there is your heart will be also. And your master is your treasure, and your sovereign Lord, and he's in heaven, and your heart is there, you devote it. When you serve two masters, you're going to be devoted to one and neglect another. You would hate one and serve another. And he said, well, if your master is in heaven, and he's sovereign Lord, and you devote to him, that's where your heart is. And it's impossible practice. Man could work for two employees, but he cannot be a slave of two masters. Misplaced allegiance in your life would leave you, lead you to depression. Misplaced allegiance in your life, who you love, who you treasure, and whom you give your allegiance will determine who's your master, and it will give you peace. Now, this is a, a problem for us. Every time when I take matters in my own hands, when I make my own, myself a master, you know what happens? A disaster right away. And God is, he is, is, is a good God because he makes sure, like every time I do that, he makes sure that nothing works like I planned. Just a little example. But 14 years ago, we moved to Silmar, California, to start my education master seminary. And I planned that whole trip, everything. We sold some properties. We had some money, savings account. We come, we bought the house, and then everything fell apart. I just forgot that the economy does not depend on my thinking. It just doesn't align with my plans. It just burst the bubble of the real estate, and we lost all the money, and I have to go to work. I was thinking, I will, I will knock this thing down in three years, and I'll be fine. I will not work a day and that everything changed. And God is the probably biggest lesson in the seminary that he taught me that you depended on me and I'm your master. And you're not your master. You're my servant and I will take care of you. Now there's a story about Bob who was the manager of great big firm and he was really busy. He has many things to do, many people to please. 
Finally, he had a heart attack. He survived, and his doctor said, well, you have a couple of years to live if you're going to keep up your schedule. So he come home, and you write the letter to God, letter of resignation, and he said, God, please accept my resignation. I resign as the Lord of universe. Sometimes we act like we're Lord of universe. Resign. He is the master. Serve him. A Christian, contentment is found in God and only in God. In his ownership, in his control, in his provision of everything we possess, that's where our peace lays. Listen, God owns the universe. He owns you. He owns all it contains, the world who dwells in it, everything. And he owns you. And he said, admit, you're not your master. You're a servant. I am. But I'm a great master. I'm a, I'm a sovereign Lord. How do we overcome our anxiety? Stop acting like you are, Lord. Stop it. Trust him. Admit him that he is the sovereign Lord who knows what he's doing. He has all the power and all the control, and you just serve him. Put your heart where it belongs to God, to heaven, where your treasure really is, and everything starts being a little bit more lighter. How do we overcome anxiety? Number two, Jesus is teaching us. We could overcome anxiety, and we should, and we should not be worried because God is our heavenly Father. He's our heavenly Father. He's not only sovereign Lord. He is your heavenly Father, brothers and sisters. And whenever you dis, in, in discouragement, what you really and I am doing, we distrust Him that He is good, that He is kind. In His nature, we have this, this name for, for God, Jehovah Jireh, meaning Lord provides. Abraham called him when he was troubled, and he said, Lord, provided another sacrifice for Isaac. Jesus mentioned these necessities for life. You know, you worry about your body, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to clothe your body, and I got you covered. Trust me. Trust me. And Jesus said, do not worry, do not be afraid, do not fear. Let me just remind you that this is the biggest prohibition and this is the biggest warning for us Christians in the Bible. If you count all do not fear, you probably would count more than 300 do not fears. If you count all the anxieties and worries, you're going to find more than 500. This is the most common problem for us, most real problem, but also most addressed problem by Jesus. He said, well, listen, I love you. My heavenly Father loves you. God cares for your life. God cares for little birds and little lilies that worth really nothing. He cares for them, and he goes from the lesser to the greater. And he said, reason with me how God loves you, how much God loves you. If he loves these little stupid, insignificant things in the universe, he loves you. You know, God does not just care for great things, you know, just for the star galaxies and great stuff. No, he cares for little insignificant things that we don't even notice, birds and the grass. And he dresses them up, and he does it in detail. He said, I'm not just going to 
throw on them something. I will put him in fashion that put to shame Solomon. Right, he's dressed as one lily, going to put to shame Solomon with all his glory. And he said, I care for them. I love them, but I am your heavenly father. And if I care for them so much in detail, don't you think I'm going to care for you? You know, we are worried when we are misplacing values in our lives. We think that food and clothing and drink, they would add value to us. And when we have a midlife crisis, you know, you see a man driving a red Ferrari all of a sudden because he thinks that that red Ferrari adds values to him. And he feels better for a second, right? Or you bought a great house or whatever you did, remodel your bathroom and you feel like entitled for something. That's not why God cares for you. He cares for you because you're his child. And that's it. There's no intrinsic value in you. He assigns the value for you. He said, I'm going to trust I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you value and I will care, care for you more than for the birds. It's an amazing thing when I am acting dumb and very foolish when I think that when I'm anxious about money or solve the problem that it kind of adds value for me. You know, God says, well, listen, I treat you as a children. Food, comfort, money, clothes, play, vacation, jewelry, don't add to us anything. Don't look at uh, your life disproportionately. But what God does, he cares for both your spiritual needs and for your physical needs. And he cares for you more than for the rest of the thing in creation. That is a great comfort for us. In observation, he said, you are worth more than these birds. You are worth more than these lilies. The birds are just all over the place, right? They just come and go. We have a pet, girl, a pet bird. I mean, we don't even buy it. She, it. The bird just comes. It comes to steal cat's food. Never carry for anything. Never worries. I never seen the, the blue jays. That's what it is. Just worried that what if they forgot to put the food for the cat? What if the cat would eat all the food? What if I turn into cat if I eat cat food? I don't see you ever worry about any of this stuff. It just flies trusting the Lord. And he said, if I take care of these birds, they do not work, they don't have barns, they don't have nothing, I will take more for you because you are worth more for me. The same for lilies. I mean, you worry about your fashion, about your weight, and about things, but look at the lilies. They're here today and God tomorrow, and people use this lilies or this grass for baking the bread. Let's imagine how God cares for this grass that is here today and God tomorrow, and we don't put two plus two together that you are more valuable than those flowers. A lesson from here, from nature that he teaches us, because value, he value you more, he will care for you more. And then Jesus is providing a challenge for us with this care thing. You know, God loves you. He's your heavenly father. He cares for you. Trust him. Trust him. Lean on him. Any challenges? What if, what if you do otherwise? What if you don't trust him? Let's say that you don't trust them in the time of depression and anxiety. You don't trust them. So what can you do? 
Can you add another hour to your life? Let's reason, just one hour. No, you can't. Okay, then you worry about the things that you can't do. You have no ability to change. You have no ability to change the circumstances. All he wants to see is show you that I can, I am able, and I, I care. What's the alternative? If you're planning your life, you care for your life, God is sovereign, he, you cannot do anything without him. He said, do not worry. You know, sometimes when I feel down, a very simple thought lifts me up more than anything. A very simple song, I would say. I sing to myself, Jesus loves me, yes I know, for the Bible tells me so. And you say, well that is childish. This is it, this is, because I am child of God and that's what I need. I don't need deep theology at that moment. I need to know that he loves me. And I sing, and my daughter sings with me. And all of a sudden, we lift up, and he lifts us up, and we put our burdens upon him. In 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, casting all your burdens, anxieties on him. Cast, why? Why should we cast? Why should we be casting upon him? Because it says, because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. So God is sovereign. We can trust him. And when you're troubled, look upon him like he knows what he's doing. Even when you don't, he's not going to change maybe circumstances, but he wants to change your heart. He wants to refocus your heart and to show himself as a mighty sovereign God. And also he wants to come alongside, not with the stick and say, well, don't worry you of little faith. He said, well, be encouraged. I love you. I want you to be lifted up. And the third thing he says here, verses 31 to down, he said, we should not be worried because God has already purpose for our lives. You don't have to rediscover yourself. Like, what should I do? Should I worry about this or this or this? God said, well, I, I, I got the plan for your life. I got it. Don't worry about your things, about your interest. Worry about my interest. That's what he says. Worry about my interest. Care for my interest. This word is worry. is exactly the same word as a care. It's exactly the same word. Many times in the Bible, for instance, 1 Corinthians 12, 25, Paul says, I care for the church. I do care. I experience much suffering and trouble, but I have a mutual concern. I have concern. I have care for the church. And I want you to have a care for one another. So it's the same thing. Instead of worrying about your interests and about your things, that what you cannot do, about your insecurity, about your trouble, how about you shift your focus from yourself on God, said, you got me covered, and I'm going to focus on your purposes, and, on you, and I'm going to seek your things. And what are these things? He said, be righteous and seek my kingdom. And that is not lazy living. Anxious people, they're lazy. Anxiousness would drive you to laziness. Remember the story Jesus in Matthew 25 tells about wicked, wicked slave who was so worried about his future and about his 
future before the king, that he said, I will hide my talent and I will not invest anywhere because I'm so worried to lose it. And Jesus said, well, you are wicked and lazy slave. Anxiousness would drive you to laziness. Laziness would drive you to more anxiousness and that is a spire you don't want to go. But Jesus has said, listen, how about you care for what you need to be caring for? How about you start caring for one another in the church? How about you start caring for the kingdom of God and for living righteously before me? How about you care for that? That is your concern. That is your concern. Timothy, generally be concerned for Philippians' welfare. The same word for anxiousness. He was anxious. He was eager to do so. For God's kingdom, for the prosperity of the church, God wants us to plan for the future. He doesn't want you to sit down and do nothing. Look at the bird. Yeah, they don't, they don't plan, but they work. They get up every morning and they fly. Birds would never have a console together to say, what if they nuke all of our bugs? What are we going to do? What if all the worms will be disappearing? What if this pesticides would win? We have nothing to eat. They never worry. They just work. And God wants us to come from worry to the place of worship where we actively worship him in his kingdom. God wants us to focus about today. He wants us to plan. He just doesn't want us to worry. If you make a plan for a year, that's good. When James says, well, do not say in your heart boastfully that, hey, we're going to go there tomorrow to that in that city. We'll do that. He's addressing not the planning. He's addressing the boastful heart. Like, hey, we could do that. You have to plan, but you should not boast and worry about things. What if not? What if God will take this away? That's what we find ourselves often. Worry about the things, some of the real things and some of not real things. But God said, well, worry about today. Be care for my, caring for my business and just do what I ask you to do today. Like recently, we want to plant 20 trees in our backyards. And I was really worried. It's like, man, that's a lot of work. That's just a lot of work, a lot of digging. And it's a hard digging. I tried one hole and it just like took me quite a bit. It exhausted me as well. Well, if I would sit down there and just warp myself up in the worries about how hard it's going to be, I would never plan. But how God wants me to plant 20 trees, one tree at a time. You just plant one tree today and that's it. You call it quits. You're tired. You come back tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about your, uh, the, the rest of the worries. But God gives you planning today. And he said, well, today, if you're in depression, if you're in anxiety, deal with this today. What do you need to do? Just a simple task by trusting on Jesus. Don't try to conquer the whole world. Concern for today's problem does not tear you up because you can't get handle of them. You could do something about today's problem. You are dealing with concrete reality. When you worry about tomorrow, you're dealing about things that are not there yet. What can we do about tomorrow, nothing. What can we do about today? We could serve God. We could start care for his kingdom. We could refocus our, our mind on him. Someone says worrying about tomorrow is like rocking in a rocking chair 
You expend, spend a lot of energy, but you don't get anywhere. I would say like running on a treadmill. A lot of energy spent, you started, and you ended at the same place. So God wants us to deal with an anxiety because we all have it. And if you're honest, you admit the problem. I have it. Tell you honestly, the last six months was really rocky for us. For all of you, for me personally, sometimes I found myself really, really down deep. Nothing is good. I'll tell you about my little experiment. One Sunday, I was so down after Sunday service, and I made an experiment. So I'm going to stand down out there with my Bible in my hand, and I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'll just be very selfish, and I'm going to see how these people love me. Who's going to come and say, shake hand, and say, how are you doing? And nobody did. And if I would think about myself, like, oh, poor me. Man, those guys are really bad. They don't care for me. I'm going to dig myself in the ground so deep that it would be hard to get out. But I stood there, and I walk out, and I said, well, you know, they didn't mean it. But God loves me, and he cares for me. He has a plan for my life. And I don't have to rechange my plan for my life and now go into other business because something went off. I'm going to stand here, and I'm going to serve these people because that's what God wants me to do. And maybe you are there today. Maybe you feel so sensitive to the surrounding, to the circumstances, and nobody really cared for you, or you felt betrayed, or felt unloved, or felt like nothing going your way. Well, there is one, and his name is Jesus. His father sent him, and he promised, I would give you rest of the things that you need if I didn't spare my son for you. And this Jesus is speaking to you today, do not worry. I got you covered. The question is for us today. If we cannot trust God in this little, sometimes insignificant, sometimes unreal problems, how in the world are you going to trust him to save you from hell? How in the world? And it all kind of culminates at the cross. If at the cross he delivered you, and you believe in that, and you have that faith, then he wants that you start believing it today, now, that he cares for you and he loves you. Cross is the place where the biggest worry of my life was carried away. No more burdens, no more insecurity, no more anxiety about my life and about my death. No more disturbances, no more fear, because he is my secure place. Christ took my burden away. I finish with the song lyrics. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song, my cornerstone, the solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storms. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here 
in the love of Christ I stand. Father, may you bless us as we turn our attention to the table and to these elements when you prove to us in a very tangible way as you died for us. Christ Jesus delivered us from our biggest anxieties. We don't want to be like Gentiles who are worried about this place here and now. We want to focus on you and focus on your purposes and on your character. May you bless us, Lord, I pray. Amen.